Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. update on how uh you know as 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 nature is healing and right you know people return to uh sports bars and stuff do, do you mm-hmm. want an update from the front lines yeah sure why not mm, okay okay so uh over the past couple of weeks you know i've been you know hanging out a little bit more at this bar around the corner from the studio and you know it's fun it's a low-key crowd you know we don't Nice. We avoid it when it's like full of Northeastern students. That's fair. Yeah, because it's just at, at one, not our crowd, two, mm-hmm. loud, three, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, nah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll go in there and, you know, there, there's definitely nights where there's, like I've said before, there's Star Wars on the TV, but right. also we go in and it's a sports bar, you know? So there are sports on the TV and I can feign interest in it. But every now and then something kind of jumps out to me. Like we were uh, watching the Olympics uh, at, when they were happening a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Um, And it was women's curling. Uh japan versus sweden i think hmm. and we were actually kind of getting into it we were kind of intently <laughs> watching it interesting and then it you know it cuts to commercial and it's a commercial for a phone sex line okay yeah hmm. and it's like did, did is is this uh that's <laughs> that's who bought advertising time for the for the olympics in boston <laughs> i guess they're making um, a lot of like money to be able to do that right i guess so yeah i mean i i didn't know people still did the phone did it on the phone i guess it right seems like, it seems like that would be another job you know that the that technology stole from us um <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> it was it was oh also just really it was just also really funny because it's also in a bar so the subtitles are on oh no <laughs> did it put the parentheses around certain things as well because it has to describe it wasn't, it wasn't you know i think tiktok has ruined me a bit you know with oh, like yeah. everybody having to spell things differently to get around the sensors oh yeah um, <laughs> but you know as of last night i've become very uh interested in michael collins you, uh, not the astronaut but do, do you know who michael collins is uh no i don't so we're watching golf on the tv you know just <laughs> you know it's just happening or whatever right and <laughs> um suddenly this guy comes on who is the commentator for the golf tournament who i don't know how to say this if you've never seen a picture of michael collins he doesn't look like he would be commenting on golf he looks like he would like be commenting on like a hot sauce competition or okay uh, you know or a mm. you know it's 
he's got a really big beard. He's a big guy. He's got like a colorful Hawaiian shirt on. Um, hmm. He just he looks like he's having too much fun. Is my is my uh, okay? Is my point. And you have to like remind him, like, listen, Michael, this is golf. We need to tone it down a little bit. This isn't mm, Caddyshack. Yeah. This is golf. Yeah, real golf. Well, okay. I looked him up. It turns out that he started his career as a stand-up comedian. Then okay. he was a caddy. Oh. And I guess he was a big enough personality that they made him a commentator. Or they, they gave right. him an opportunity to be a commentator on golf. And huh. you're just, you know, watching this, <laughs> you know, kind of uh, tropical Santa Claus uh, talk about golf. Can I just make a point that anytime you say that they're like a commenter on golf, I keep thinking of it being like golf, the movie. Or like golf, the international best-selling novel. Like just the way that it's phrased, I love it. It's great because I mean, I guess because it's not like you don't have the. I mean, maybe they do because I don't watch golf on TV. But it's like you know, you got NFL, NHL, mm-hmm. you know, WWE, yes. golf. Like, there's no. Mm. Is there an acronym for golf? Do you think something fun to brand themselves as? Uh. I don't know. I mean, we can um, live in ignorance. It's fine because I don't think it's going to affect anybody. There probably is. Uh, I it's. Uh, I mean, go- golf is a weird sport for me because, on a philosophical level, I'm all for it. I think sure. it's a sport about being outside. It's about geometry. It's about control and concentration. Right. Um, but it's also a sport done pretty universally by the worst people on earth (laughs) and it's terrible for the environment and i and also like as a kid this is getting a little off topic but when don't we get off topic um we tried to have a nerf war on the golf course uh not too far Mm. away from where we lived and you know the security guy like rolls up in his golf cart and he's like, you know, what are you kids doing? You're having too much fun on this <laughs> golf. You're not. <laughs> How dare you have fun on golf course? Don't you know everybody's you, miserable you, here? You you suburban children are. <laughs> you know you you may look at this this rolling green lawn with a creek going not. through it, and yeah. you may for some reason get the idea that this <laughs> this wooded this open wooded area the only open wooded area that you right. have access to yeah it's is not meant is yeah. not meant for fun that is a universal suburban experience because i've had that same thing happen maybe not that mm-hmm. detail where a security guard rolls up but just like i feel like that's very standard and telling of of suburbia with with middle class golf middle upper middle class reserved golf spaces never will understand it mm, but yeah. um anyways. i dated uh, a girl that lived like right on the golf course like you could oh they had like a little house step on the step course. yeah like you, <laughs> she could step out her back door and be oh, on wow. the uh, oh. golf course um huh. she also told me uh she was only allowed to marry a wasp this explains a lot hmm. yeah um yikes yeah that's a big mm-hmm, yikes mm-hmm. man i'm sorry nah yeah you know Clearly, clearly, uh, you know, didn't didn't miss uh, miss out on anything there. I think. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. you're, I think you dodged a bullet, honestly. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and instead mm-hmm. of having to deal with that lifestyle, mm-hmm. I'm instead, you know, hanging out at a sports bar with right. Art students. Right. Uh, with one of our friends very confidently uh, saying that they could uh, do the man versus food challenge of 12 mm. dozen oysters in under two hours. Uh, they were bold enough to say they could do it in 30 to 45 minutes. Did they? Yes. Really? 
144 oysters. That's too many oysters. <laughs> so many. <laughs> How many is too many oysters? That that too, that is too many. Mm-hmm, oh mm-hmm. my god. I, I feel like somewhere after the first dozen, I feel like that's a that's a lot of salt water. It, it, you know what? <laughs> yeah. It's not even. It, I think we were we were getting into a big argument as to whether or not they could do it. Um, but it, my thing was, and and you know the bartender is even leaning in. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? That you're going to eat 144 oysters? <laughs> There's another minutes. guy that we just met at the bar, sitting there at the bar, who's also you know giving his two cents in. Right. And I just have to like, I was like, everybody shut. shut, shut. Uh, it's not that it's oysters. It's that there's 144 of them. Like, imagine eating 144, like, deviled eggs. That's awful. I can't. I cannot do it. Oh, my yeah. God. That's mm-hmm. insane. I mean, yeah. good for them, I guess. Put that on your resume at this point. Yeah, but, well, like... apparently we're doing it. As soon as the the weather warms up, uh, we're going to find this place in Boston, I guess. And hmm. uh, there's money. There's money oh. that's been put down now. Oh man, the better the bets are placed. The game is on. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, oh, truly man. classy. Truly. But yes, uh we're 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 back in the, I see we're back in the uh UCM's vinyl collection mm. room. We're back in the music storage area. Uh, yes, yeah. What are uh you know, a, l- a little different from the setting of a sports bar. Uh what brings us back in here today? Well, for today, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, really just people's relationships to finding new music and where you find out about music, especially in today's world. You know, go to your local sports bar. That might actually work, to be honest. Maybe, there's maybe more so now. New, there's this great new band called Leonard Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you haven't heard about him, you're gonna love him. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, I feel like that. It, that's it's interesting though, right? Because like. Where did you first hear about music? In a sense, where, where did you hear about this thing called music? <laughs> no, but like, like when you when you were really interested in a sense of like, mm-hmm. you know, you hear something on the radio and it's like, I want to know more. Like, do you have memories of like when that happened for you and when you started um, to become more interested? Mm, yeah, I think um, obviously, like, I think everybody you know music was something that was that whatever was playing in the car you know right uh but you know my dad played piano growing up i didn't have a huge interest in piano and i liked sitting and listening to him but i never like i it just didn't make the connection you know Mm. of of what it was um you know, and I didn't make the connection that it was something I even wanted to pursue. I think I was even kind of late to even liking music. Okay. I don't think it was really until middle school that I like actively wanted to listen to music. I just could not get That's it. That's fair. That's fair. I think. I think the first time I heard a song that I, that this is so random, but uh, Three Little Birds by Bob Marley. Okay. I think was like the first time I heard a song and. I wanted to hear it over and over again. Hmm. Um, I think, but then, you know, just stuff would come on the radio and I would like, I would start, you know, hounding my parents to tell me more about it. You know, Mm, if something like really fascinated me, like, um, I think that's why I ended up getting into a lot of one hit wonder bands. Cause you know, like in a big country by big country would come on the radio 
And I was like, whoa, this song is great. There's so much energy. They've got all these crazy guitar um, effects going and stuff. And then I just like would deep dive into their catalog. Um, Mm. And then, you know, getting into Bruce, that was honestly after seeing footage of him performing live. That was when I got it. Like, okay, that makes sense. That that was when it suddenly hit me. Like, what that visual component to him was was weirdly a big part of it to me. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I share a lot of that with you as well. Like, I you know, getting into music more seriously in middle school, like actually having a taste, like figuring mm-hmm. out what I like and what it wasn't yeah. just my parents listening to. Because it was weird, like, you know, growing up with the radio specifically being played, it was like, if my dad's mm-hmm. driving, there's classic rock being played. If my mom was driving, it was, well, the local mm-hmm. radio station Q102 playing. So whatever was popular at the time. Yeah, we um, had the bone, we had the <laughs> eagle. <laughs> oh, very fun. We didn't have any of those. They're just numbers. Baba uh, the love sponge. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's who uh, his wife had uh, famously had an affair with Hulk Hogan. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, I know, like, for me, when I became really fascinated with it and I wanted to know more, it was like, I was asking my cousins. We were probably like 10. Because mm-hmm. I was like, how do you find, because this is like when the iPod's out, right? And it's like, yeah, how do you yeah. find music that you hear on the radio? Like, how do you know what to look up? And the internet right. exists. And they were like, oh, like, we just, you know, I just, like, um, look up lyrics from the song and usually you can kind of figure that mm. out. Like the song title will probably be in the lyrics. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So then I started l- listening more actively to songs mm-hmm. to figure out their titles because I used to not know, right? And then you have the song stuck yeah. in your head and you're like, why do I have the song stuck in my head? And I need to know it. And even before YouTube, it's like, I, I can't find it unless I hear it on the radio again. So you have to actively listen. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think I think this says a lot about me. What I'm about to say, as an example, is that you know when I was like five, six, do you know what I used to listen to on the way to school when like one of my parents drove me, or if I had my like CD player on hand with headphones? Take a mm. wild guess. I'm uh, that song that like gondoliers sing as they like paddle you through Venice. That's funny. That's a good, that's a good one. I didn't, <laughs> no, no, somehow more. So, uh, you, like, I, I just, I just picture you growing up and it's just the soundtrack to an Italian restaurant. <laughs> You're not that far off though from the family. I mean, because like my, my mom would listen to like, you ever hear of ketchup? The band Ketchup? That is yes, I, that is their name. <laughs> Ketchup, they are named after the, oh, the, the band. Oh, the band Ketchup. <laughs> yeah, the band, um, not the comedy. Oh. <laughs> Have you heard of the smooth stuff called Ketchup? Um, <laughs> I've heard of the tomato ketchup incident. No, don't know what that That's is. That's not them. That's not a side no. project. I don't know. Um, it's not a side project. Yeah, they used to play that a lot, which was sung in Italian, so that's fun. But no, I used mm-hmm. to listen to the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers soundtrack on uh... repeat going to school, and would also hum out the, there's no words in the songs, by the way, you would right, I'd hum right. out what was being played on the instruments, and I think that should have been a tell to anybody that I was probably going to be into composing music, or just liking mm. music a lot, but um, yeah. I was right. one of those if, if, kids. If that's, that's also interesting. It's like pretty yeah. immediately you were drawn to the grand epic, you know, like the soundtracks. scale of of a soundtrack. I mean, I think I liked soundtracks too. I think, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, because like I think 
I got somebody's iPod Nano. I think my dad had one ah. and just like was like, here, do you want this? That's and cool. I didn't like know what to put on it because I ah. didn't know that many songs. I had like five songs on it. And mm. one of them was like the main theme to Indiana Jones. Excellent. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Good choice. And like the other one was like Africa by Toto. Of course. The, the natural yes. comparison, both of them. You need oh, both yeah. together. Well, I, I think I didn't quite understand early on like what you were supposed to seek out with music Mm. i didn't like yeah get that like i'm you know what i must have i i think i have a memory of like i was like you know i i had an itunes account and like i thought (laughs) like okay well maybe if i just search in here i'll find songs that i like and i'm like well what do i like right yeah dinosaurs so uh... i'm gonna search dinosaur and it's like what you get dinosaur jr <laughs> and it's like i don't they're not singing about dinosaurs, dinosaurs at all what is this oh my gosh yeah. i yeah i mean that's a really good point though that like how do you figure out what you like i think most of what i found out i liked because of what i heard in movies like lincoln park mm. from transformers you know or yeah, like it, let's let's be real mm-hmm. let's be real mm. shrek soundtrack oh yeah legendary legendary mm-hmm. i think that shaped everyone's music taste like mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. i mean honestly think about that yeah that's that's like with that's, the all-star yeah. i mean oh no i mean imagine like how many young people like became aware of joan jett you know yeah because that. that's the other thing is um that is a soundtrack that's you know all you know basically pop songs but it's not like um it's not like a movie like the the earlier 2000s like Daredevil or something where all the songs were like <laughs> right. new metal, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not like, you know, when they got Green Day to do the songs for one of the Twilight sequels or Phil Collins to do the Tarzan soundtrack. It's like Right. They got a variety of music. Like, you know, there's that um there's that Hallelujah cover in it. Yeah, it's a good. One. Uh, there's the the Proclaimers song that isn't 500 Miles. Yeah, true. It, it's it's you know, and we can just be another two, another two, you know, dudes in their twenties talking about the cultural impact of Shrek. Of course, but you know, when you're a kid and you don't know anything, you know that those that's probably a lot of people's first um encounter with yeah. some of that music you know yeah and i mean this th- i think that also segues us really nicely into like what we're talking about today more specifically in terms of how we find music now but like mm-hmm. even think about that like before the internet you don't have i mean there really wasn't a way as easy now to find out what you liked without going to a record store or, you know, mm-hmm. playing a bunch of CDs or having like your friend's older brother that showed you their weird music taste, right? Like, which is probably an yeah. adult meme somewhere. But I think that's mm-hmm. kind of true, right? Where like you you absorb yeah. the music taste of your parents and then you absorb mm-hmm. that of your friends and their siblings right. and their parents. And I think that's also-, also... Also, everything was so much more regional back then. My mom yeah. has a story of the first time she heard Aerosmith. She was hearing Dream On on the radio. Mm. And she called her friend that like lived in another city and was like, held the phone up to the radio. 
Um, you know, cause like they'd never heard that before when my Whoa. mom went, you know, she, she left New Jersey when she was, you know, 17 or 18 to, you know, go to, uh, undergrad at CU, you know, that was back before, you know, obviously there was a mass culture back then there was TV. Right. Um, but you know, she got there and suddenly like, oh, there's people wearing button fly jeans and cowboy boots. Like this was like really when thing when when culture was more regionalized. Mm. And, you know, suddenly she's hearing the outlaws for the first time and pure prairie league and oh, wow. what was back then, you know, kind of contemporary country rock. Like I mean, it's all this stuff that would not you would not have heard in you know suburban mm. and mm. urban new jersey uh and right you know then suddenly you're thrust into it right you, you 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 wouldn't you wouldn't have heard those things out you know back east unless you were a certain type of hipster or something mm. that just wouldn't be playing on the radio right yeah you had to be really into it you know most likely mm -hmm. or seek that out i mean exactly, it's interesting yeah. that you bring that up though you know because it is like it's not something we think about, I feel like, very often. Like, the the privilege now, being able to just, like, find music mm -hmm. so easily and also have yeah. it, like... I mean, honestly, sometimes I, you don't even... You know, if you're on TikTok, you don't even ask. It's just thrown at you what kind of music, oh, yeah. right? And, and that, that that can be popular music. That could be some guy saying, did I just invent a new genre? And then, oh, you know, God. I don't know if you've gotten those because that's annoying, but, like... You know, I've been getting the guy that's saying like, "Did I just write the next emo anthem?" Oh, that, <laughs> I like when everybody's like, "No, you didn't." And it's, <laughs> right? It's just an immediate like, "No, yeah. go back to well, 2000." Yeah, it's it's interesting with TikTok because like, there's a lot of things that I've genuinely enjoyed getting as recommendations. People same, talking same. about you know interesting histories and stuff to music and. um you know, some of it, I some some bad takes, obviously, as with oh, anything yeah. on the yeah. internet. But you know, you have this, um, you have this other appreciation for a lot of older music that's coming through those things. You know, people, you know, wanting to connect a visual aesthetic to a feeling um, of mm. some of this older music of you know that moment that it was capturing, and you have you know videos yeah. of like. This guy listens to Led Zeppelin for the first time, you know, <laughs> right. and, you know, some, some of that is just, you know, again, just jacking off the baby boomers. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also an observation I've had, at least, is you are exposing uh, a, a generation that we're a part of, but also people that are slightly younger than us. Mm hmm. Um, you know, are encountering art made by people in different decades with different values and, and not not even necessarily like a, a a like wildly different political affiliation, but uh, people with a different idea of expression. Yeah, um, true. You know, I, I was working with, uh, you know, a uh, a co-worker who was very young, I think. I think like early, early twenties, um, you know, and the two of them like, uh, wild side, uh, came on. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, they were like, this song is great, but you know, the part where he says the colored girls, mm, right. And it's like, 
you know, you you obviously don't want to, uh, you know, excuse it away, you know, like in that sense, but also you want to be like, well, there was a there was a different way of speaking back then. There was a certain, um, you know, there there was a uh, a reference being made to a certain type of person that would say that. Yeah. Yeah, right. and you know that doesn't necessarily make it okay, but you know there's people that like want to get angry at uh, Hurricane by Bob Dylan, which mm. you know I'm not saying Bob Dylan's the greatest guy to ever exist, but that is a powerful, you know, civil rights song right. and a a you know very uh a song that lays it all out there that this is a guy who the police targeted just because he was black he had nothing to do with the crime um you know but uh you know dylan does drop the n-word at one point uh but it was happening at a time when you would use that to quote somebody it was it would be okay to say the n-word if you were quoting someone who would have said it gotcha gotcha yeah, and, and I mean this is this is just one example, you know, to do with race because there's a whole other um you know, attitude if we want to talk about, you know, the what what we could call playful misogyny of a lot of old rock songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but it's 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 interesting seeing people try and uh, you know, have their own appraisal of it too because, mm. you know, we can see how these things how these things, how culture has has developed since these things were written. You know, they're they're, yeah. they're little time capsules of a moment. Yeah, I mean, I think it's always been interesting, like the nostalgia that covers these things, though, just because of like, mm -hmm. like I mean, even more recently, the nostalgia that people have who were not even born in that <laughs> century, right? Like, you know, you got seventeen. <laughs> To twenty-year-olds, you know, born in the two thousands, who are yeah, like, yeah, no, I was just born the, in the, the wrong early, time. The early two thousands. Like, what? Some, you know, I, I think. You know what's interesting about it is mm -hmm. like nostalgia for the early two thousands, and I get that it's supposed to be ugly, like when people like want to dress like that now. Mm -hmm. But there was something about that moment that. <laughs> everyone recognized the fashion is awful the music is awful we're all aware of this and mm. we're all just still going along with it uh okay. see i meant the the nostalgia for the um for like the 70s like from people mm. that were born ah, in the 2000s okay. however yes there is a weird nostalgia <laughs> for the 2000s by people like our age and older and i and younger no honestly younger. No, it's younger no, yes younger. sorry yeah younger because of the like, I think I talked about that with my sister, you know, who's five mm -hmm. years younger than me. And she's just like, why? Why would people want to go back to that? I don't, you know, why would you want to wear <laughs> a dress over jeans? Which I have seen again recently. Someone was wearing Whoa. that on campus. It was weird. I was like, mm. I, I don't, I mean, it looked good, but it was still just like, no, I can't, we can't do this again. We can't go back to this. <laughs> I, I wonder how that, if that's how people feel about the 80s with mullets coming back. But, um, but it, it is like this odd thing, like, you know, where I'm watching somebody who's like, you know, 20 be obsessed with like Led Zeppelin or obsessed with like 
Fleetwood you know, older. Mac. He, he a, well, yeah, always Fleetwood Mac. I mean, and on right grounds, right, rightfully so. You know, it's yeah, really no, good, they're very but, in. They're enduring artists, right. for a reason. Yeah, um, but I, but like with that nostalgia. Um, now this is this is probably the end of when I'll talk about it. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I've had arguments, with especially people that are older, because mm-hmm. they like you. Okay, so you have people who are younger that are nostalgic for the time that they were never born in or never even mm-hmm. close to, and then there's right. people who are nostalgic for that music and cut off what they listened to past the '90s. Like it's over. Mm. They don't listen. My parents are like that, you know, or more like mm-hmm. my dad and stuff too. Like I, and I mean, you know, it's fair because you maybe just don't want to listen to anything else. I had a teacher um, who, you know, really in the new movies, you know, really, you know, art teacher, really into all kinds of media, but said very upfront, she stopped listening to different, to new music past like the two thousands. And I was like, and I might be being generous in terms of how mm. far back. And yeah. I was like, really? Why? She's like, couldn't, can't keep up. And I was like, I, that's a very w- odd take. Like, w- why? Didn't you get bored? Like, don't you get bored of the same? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it's a taste thing, obviously. It's, right, it's what yeah. you like and what you listen to. And there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that necessarily. I think for me, I like can't get enough of a new sound and something mm-hmm. weird and different. But like not in a weird and different where it's like overly popular, but more like. It, 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 this, I'm going to this is be very hard to explain because it's very like. It's very ethereal. It's very personal. It's a feeling, mm-hmm. right? Music is a feeling yeah. in many cases, and it's why that, that the, you know, there's nothing wrong with perfect music theory. There's nothing wrong with learning your discipline. It's very important, but there's also yeah. something that when you finally learn how to do that and you break out of it, create these mm-hmm. very amazing tones. And now, because we have access to YouTube and SoundCloud and Spotify and anything with mm-hmm. that, we, or you know, Apple and iTunes. Where we can download anything, Bandcamp, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You get access to some crazy stuff, really interesting yeah. things. I mean, from from you have access and- to, to pr- practically not not really everything. We can talk about that in a moment, but mm-hmm. you do have sudden access to genres and time periods that might not have yeah. been available in just the record store you walked into. I mean, it's yeah. kind of like. It's kind of like, I mean, also it was similar, I think, to fashion, you know, it yeah, was true. what was around you that you could pull from. And right. you know, now that we live with mass culture in a way that we haven't before, I think what you're also seeing is people trying, people now, at least, right. um, whether they're older or younger, realizing you have access to everything, there is the need to curate for yourself. Um, yes and i think if you're older and you don't want to listen to new music you have access to all of that stuff and you can um you know just sort of put yourself in that camp there are playlists endless playlists that will you know keep you satisfied um that uh will you know play to your nostalgia or uh you know just not uh make not um maybe uncomfortable is too strong of a word but nothing that will challenge maybe yeah. the, the conception of music for you yeah if you're younger though and you know maybe this even 
again, like what, what sort of our case study is of people, you know, getting um, interested in music through TikTok is like, there's right. a whole community of people that are like, say, really interested in prog rock and, you know, <laughs> want to dissect uh, Rush records and, uh, you know, Emerson Lake and Palmer records. Um, and, you know, just, uh, you know, endless, endless uh, weird, interesting synth music that was put out in the you know 70s and 80s mm, yeah um there's also something uh that is uncomplicated about those those artists and those records because now we have such a more ten tentative relationship with celebrity and artists that you know like and i i think i think you've even talked about this with with kanye west like the the caveat you always want to mm. put out there that i'm here for the music you know he's he's you know says a lot of weird stuff and does weird stuff but i'm i'm here for you know the musical <laughs> genius of him and yeah you know, there's there's plenty of bizarre and honest and quite frankly more violent weirdos in music history uh but because that stuff wasn't maybe as publicly known you know we have a little bit of an easier time separating it also you know if yeah if, you know a lot of the people that were dead that that made it are dead now you don't have to think that oh i'm supporting mm. uh michael jackson uh right you know, listening to his music uh you you don't have to necessarily think of it in that way right right that's a good point actually too and yeah with especially like with the kanye west example who keeps just getting worse as things mm. progress right like even the <laughs> drama it's just i mean like it, it's it's tough it's complicated because you, yeah like i said just like you know it doesn't you don't necessarily have to like them but mm -hmm. it, you can't disagree that the music's good right it's mm -hmm. good it's good music and i mean like it's complicated and has to be looked at that way. Um, yeah. But also, like, yeah, I mean, it, it's exactly as you said. Like, you can, you know, put on your playlist and stay with the hits of whatever time period to whatever other time period. Or mm -hmm. you can shuffle and listen to something that whatever algorithm picks out for you or that is just... Yeah. You know, matches up. Like, like a good example of this, and I, I used to do this to find movies as well, but... um. You, I would click on an artist I like. Is this is more mm -hmm. when Spotify became a thing, and then you would go to the recommended from them, and the recommended from them, and the recommended from them, mm -hmm. and that's how I got into these like crazy yeah. holes of music and found people, you know, mm -hmm. that I mm -hmm. never would have like, yeah, you know, thought I would have like even today. Like mm -hmm. I just found a band that I probably have heard of before, but never really listened. Called like, um. <laughs> they're called horse jumper of love crazy name really good uh -huh. band i found them because i was listening to duster uh you know just while i was mm -hmm. working in the studio and i also found duster which is the like um slow oh gosh what are they slow core type you know genre of music really good stuff dan you'd probably mm -hmm. like it actually uh i found them because of tiktok introduced me right. to it I, and because i kept hearing the same songs over and over and over again yeah. and, and i mean i liked them but you kind of get mm -hmm. annoyed by it and then i found out that's oh it, it's these guys who this one you know 
uh, music page recommended and I listened to it, but then I found out that TikTok found it and now they boost their views all the way up. Like this yeah. is the this is the phenomenon that I've been really trying to grapple with because mm-hmm. you see that things blow up there very quickly. And yes. like one good example of that was like Young Lean's Ginseng Strip. Have you heard this? Do you know what this is? I believe I I hear it on TikTok, right? Like they use the sound for it. Yeah, yeah. It's this yeah. it's this one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's that one. Like, you know, it took over again, like what, within the last couple months, I wanna say, mm-hmm. and it's been a really big, you know, one for famous creators to non-famous creators to use. The thing mm-hmm. is, this song already had like 30 million views on YouTube. Now it has 57 million. And this wow. came out, it came out in like 2013. I mean, I, I found it in 2020. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit here and act like I found it first or anything. But right. it is arguably revolutionary for mm-hmm. like pre-SoundCloud rap. Like he, mm-hmm. and, and he's like my age, but set this, he set up, and not just him, there's an entire group of people doing this type of music very early on that set the stage for like all other you know for mumble rap to come in and soundcloud Mm -hmm. rap to also all other kinds of electronic music and funk and you know whatever else right whatever weird experimental stuff happened it's even like how i found out about the difference between drift funk and uh funk itself (laughs) and that's p-h-o-n-k drift funk Drift funk is all it's 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 the you know like the funky town song that was playing a lot over the summer uh and mm. you definitely heard it because it was in every yeah. single montage video yeah, yeah that's yeah, that's but drift it, it, funk. it was it was uh it was the the Fortnite thing um no it was the one where it would be like it would have these different how the heck do I describe music? Um, it's it's the one that would it would have like really mumbling like words and then it'd be like and it's like really lo-fi and it's like yeah so drift funk all sounds the same but I love it it's great to drive to but it's called that because you you see it paired with driving videos like when people are showing up their cars and stuff but it's kind of awesome and but it's like a very specific spinoff from Oh my gosh! It is, uh, it's. I think it's like Midwest funk or mid, not Midwest. No, oh my god, it, it has a name. It's like a very specific niche area near Detroit that like spun off this genre, which I also only found out about because of TikTok. But it's 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 again mm-hmm. genres on genres on genres, right? Of things yeah, becoming no, names. There, there's there's stuff like I mean, uh, uh, Black Country New Roads. Uh, yep. that you know. I really only heard because everybody was talking about uh, Ants from up there, you know, this this yeah. album that everybody's talking about, you know, so I have to listen to it. Of course, it's it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, the interesting thing about that, too, is you can have something like that blow up. And then in the case of Black Country New Roads, they're here. They are. They suddenly have all of this attention. They're about to go on this world tour and then the lead singer is like, I'm sorry, the pressure, I, I can't do it. Right. And, you know, it, you know, for, for, for the sake of their own mental health, leave the band, um, you know, and, you know, good, good for them, you know, taking care of themselves. Um, you know, you also, but now you have this thing of like, you know, I, I believe they found a replacement singer. Mm-hmm. But you're, you know, you have, you, you, the, the, they've got the tour they've got to do and you know the the thing 
that voice that a lot of people connected with is kind of, uh, you know, is now already moved on. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's plenty of stuff that, you know, you can feel like maybe you got into something too late, too. Um, mm, yes. I feel yeah. like you just just because the 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 sounds come up a lot i've you know had a little bit of a renewed interest in like mgmt okay yeah you know which is stuff like that i remember hearing growing up and stuff and i just want to like you know try and you know give it another shot and stuff but like even what you were saying before like artists recommendations and artist playlists mm. seeing what people that you like listen to i think is yeah. probably one of the best cool. ways to do it because you're going to get stuff that is not going to be fed to you by algorithm and 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 things like that that is going to i think be a much more interesting journey mm. um of of styles and and influences uh yeah that 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 really is a great way to 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 find new stuff um but you know it's also weird like going back into history what like anytime you watch an interview with any classic rock person they'll name you know a certain amount of people that they were influenced by but every now and then you'll they'll throw out somebody and you're like "Ooh, who's that like i don't think i'd ever heard of Sunhouse until I saw um Jack White talk about him mm. in It Might Get Loud and mm. you know I I now I love Sunhouse. Right. Yeah. And I I think I think I only really was aware of uh the animals after hearing Bruce Springsteen talk about the animals. Um and, oh, interesting. and I mean <laughs> I, I mean outs, outside of House of the Rising Sun. Okay, that's um, fair. But like fair. really like their their all of their other hits that they had Mm. it was you know from listening to him talk about how much that affected his music and but then as you start to go back further you run into another interesting foggy thing of where people are taking songs and you know the the hot word now is interpolating um <laughs> but people were taking rhythms and stuff that they heard somewhere else and before mass culture if you heard something that no one else had heard you could turn around and reproduce that i one really interesting one that's come to my attention is um you know the bo diddley beat mm, um right. if you're familiar with that But, you know, a super distinct beat, you know, if you're younger, you might know it from, you know, I Want Candy, which itself is a cover, you know, uh, beyond the Aaron Carter version. But really, that rhythm, I think, was most popularized by Bo Diddley. You know, he had a mm. very specific brand of blues music that I, I think most everyone had some every classic rock person that was blues influenced had like at least one song that had that rhythm at some point or just right. straight up covered Bo Diddley, you know, that right, was, right. He, he was, he was just hugely influential. The thing that's interesting about it is it's where Bo Diddley got it from. Hmm. Uh, and 
you know, it was attributed to samba and Latin music, but it also appears like it uh, may have uh, also uh, originated as Yoruba music uh, from sub-Saharan Africa. You know, this, and there, you know, were recordings like, you know, they were sort of made as like kind of ethnographic recordings. Um, but they would have been available to certain artists and producers of, you know, these, uh, you know, tribesmen doing these really uh, interesting drum beats. But, you know, you listen to them and you hear bump, 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 bump. You know, you hear that mixed in there. It's much more complicated, you know, because it's it's like, you know, super intricate Right, you right, know, right. Uh, you know, it's 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 African drumming. It's polyrhythmic. There's mm. so many subtle things going on there, but you can hear. You're almost put back in time to someone hearing that and being like, mm, 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 right, mm, mm, yeah, you know, and you know, just that, that that blew up into so many songs. Like even if they if they they were either covering Bo Diddley or they were using that beat, so many people used oh, yeah. that. And you, it's not really a thing that we think of as, oh, well, you know, we uh, sampled this or we interpolated this. We need to send royalties. <laughs> it's more difficult to do that with, yeah. you know, traditional music that nobody owns the rights to. And, you know, you can right. get into some other weird. Uh, it, it, it's complicated to, to sort of to figure this out, you know, how, how to how to feel about that stuff. Well, I mean, I there think... were other, then there were other people that just straight up stole stuff. Okay, well, yeah, that's a little different. I mean, I think yeah. music builds on music just like art builds on art. It's a free-flowing yeah. thing, and I know... I, I did a lot of digging into this because of when I started sampling a lot, I was really scared because of just, like, one, the way I was raised, but also just, like, the fear of yeah. stealing. And it's it's very... It's much more intricate than that and not... um, You know, there are people that straight up just steal... And they just take something and they and they mm -hmm. roll with it. Then there's interpretation or interpolation or whatever. You know, they did these different words yeah. to describe the same thing. You know, where you mm -hmm. you are using this for a reason. You're curating mm -hmm. the sound for a reason. You see this a lot in hip hop and you see this a lot in electronic music where you take something and you transform mm -hmm. it and move it into something else. And normally it's not just because you say, oh, I like that sound. It sounds cool. There's something else yeah. there that brings that quality forward. Now, even mm -hmm. going back you know, before where, where, you know, you hearing these sounds from the past and in different records and it's this passage down, you know, of course that's all going to translate into like, you know, music today, right? Where you're going to get that transition period and, and whether you steal it or you're copying or you're interpreting on guitar or in different instruments, right? I don't know if that's a bad thing necessarily no, because I, it is it is different right it is a new e thing it's easy to i think just label everything as stealing um yeah but i mean here, here's the thing i'm i'm totally with you on like uh, uh with, with people when they're like you know there was all of this great you know rhythm and blues music and early rock and roll and then you know the the, the mass of you know mainly the, the the consumer public um didn't uh accept it until there were white musicians doing it yeah um but i 
I still, you know, and maybe, maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm too defensive about this, but if you ask pretty much every one of those rock and roll players from the 50s and 60s, like, they straight up would tell you, like, who they were influenced by, who they yeah. were getting their stuff from, and they didn't really, they they didn't come out and say, I invented rock and roll. Nobody said that. I mean, right. maybe Chuck, I think Chuck Berry tried to claim that. Maybe. Right. Um, but, you know, B.B. King, you know, would talk openly about the people that influenced him. Uh, Elvis would talk about the people that influenced him. The Beatles, the Rolling Stones. Yeah, I mean, the for sure. The Rolling Stones, you know, talked so much about how they they really, really connected with and like, wanted to be black which is is another thing to unpack yeah. <laughs> but but, but yeah. that was, you know they they worshiped muddy waters oh yeah um and were very open about it and that's um you know er eric clapton talks all the time about you know robert johnson right they they all talk about how much they were influenced by, uh, you know, black gospel music and mm -hmm. and, you know, those the, that really early rock and roll. Um, you know, people want to say, oh, Elvis stole Hound Dog from Sister Rosetta Tharp. No, he didn't. Neither of them wrote Hound Dog. Mm -hmm. OK, that's not how music worked back then. <laughs> there were you you sang songs that other people wrote most of the time. Uh, you mm. you only really sang your own songs if you were like a folk musician. Right. Um, Interesting. You, there, there, you know, it it would be a little later till there was like the the Tin Pan Alley scene, but um, that was that was what it was. There was you know a bunch of people living in New York that wrote songs, and they're like find me someone marketable with a great voice that can sing this you know that's i mean it's that's of... uh that that's how carol king got her start she got her start as a songwriter you there know you and then you know was was able to turn that you know uh you know transform that into her own music right. career huh. um but like okay uh there's it's especially if like we want to talk about like where people think they're getting their music from there was one really interesting uh uh story that i wanted to talk about in particular and that's the story of the hit song he's a rebel um and you know this was uh number one on the billboard uh hot 100 in uh you know 1962 um yeah. and was you know credited to the crystals uh who put out you know just you know they put out a ton of hits and they mm. you know had a huge influence on a lot of people just great great vocal group um and uh you know it was it was that that sound that would influence that entire generation of uh of of singers uh later into the 60s but you know the connection is phil specter you know and ah. phil specter brilliant producer awful human being uh <laughs> right 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 and uh the song was written by someone named uh gene pitney who was uh who was a you know an accomplished songwriter um mm -hmm. and gave it to uh, gave it to and record uh to you know workshopped it around nobody wanted it 
right away. Uh, but then found uh, this L.A. group called The Blossoms. And they recorded it with their lead singer, Darlene Love. Now, they, they, they record it. And that is the version that you will hear now and is, I think, still credited <laughs> to the Crystals. Interesting. Because uh, Phil Spector got a hold of that. I, I think, yeah, he produced it. And then just put it out under the Crystals name because people knew who the Crystals were. Wow. And supposedly, um, Mary Thomas, the uh, then lead singer of the Crystals, you know, they're sitting there listening to the radio and the DJ's like, and here's the new hit from the Crystals. He's a rebel. And they're all just like staring at each other (laughs) like, we didn't record that. Right. I don't remember (laughs) that one. Yeah. And, you know, Thomas even... uh, you know, was having a hard time replicating uh, Darlene Love's vocals. So they actually had to change lead singers uh, so that they could perform it. They switched to oh, wow. uh, uh, Dolores Lala Brooks hmm. uh, as the lead singer for the Crystals so that they could, you wow. know, get that sound. Like, that's the other thing. Like, all of these people were so young. You know, right. they're like 15 singing, oh my God. you know, these huh. uh, these hit songs and stuff. Um, and, you know, it, it would be later until it, you know, kind of came out and, you know, they would be properly credited, but, you know, I mean, Phil Spector did a lot of weird stuff with crediting and not crediting people and attributing stuff, but it's such a weird, um, instance of, you know, it's still something that I I think continues somewhat to this day with that song is associated with the crystals and the recording that people hear is not, not by the right. crystals. That's really um, odd. Yeah, I mean, even the um the Kingsman who recorded Louis Louis, you know, which itself was a cover. Um, but you know that's the version that everyone knows, right? Right. Um, however, by the time the song became a hit, the Kingsman had broken up. Oh wow! Yeah, and there were actually two competing groups that would that came out of the Kingsman, uh, Jack Ellie and, uh, Lima Easton. Hmm. They, uh, they had like competing bands, like saying like, no, we're doing, we're doing the version of Louie Louie that you guys all like, you know, so much. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean that, that, that song also has an extremely interesting story of like, you know, being investigated (laughs) for obscenity and like, supposedly it was a much, it was a very graphic song that they like, you know, the reason why the lyrics are so incomprehensible is because, <laughs> you know, they're like trying to hide, oh <laughs> trying to God. hide them, um, get them past the censors. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it's it's imagining like a time when you're like, is uh, who, who's 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 going on tonight? Who are we getting tickets for? Oh, it's the guys who did Louie Louie. Um, oh, OK. You know, and, you know, you just kind of can't check it you can't right you have to just roll with it yeah interesting that's really weird Mm -hmm. i mean just to think about right there was a there was just a ton of stuff like that from that era you know and um i think the big thing is and this touches on what we were saying earlier is musicians are hyper aware of this stuff musicians are very aware of what's going on in the music world you know because it's their job but also you know they're artists they're soaking up everything around them like a sponge all the time yeah you have to to, 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 yeah yeah because well because they're all in dialogue with each other Uh, yeah Um, (laughs) especially when you know when they do covers 
then a lot of times covers get more famous than the original. It's true. Um, or maybe the original isn't available in certain markets because of, you know, record record label deals and stuff. Mm. Um, and you can have, like, I mean, th- think about, like, uh, technically, Bruce Springsteen's most successful song, I think, <laughs> in, in terms of, like, uh, just uh, mm. number one popularity is Blinded by the Light. Yeah, sung by Manfred Mann. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, to to hear Bruce's version, it's so different. Oh yeah, <laughs> and you know, it's off it's off his first album, and you know, he would grow a lot as an artist. Um, but you know, it's not the sound he really settled into, and you know, he, uh, clearly, you know, he's like I think, you know, one of the highest earning musicians in the world. I don't think he's complaining, but it's 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 just Mm. interesting like yeah your average person's relationship to music is so different oh yeah that i think people uh feel like cheated in some way in in Mm. finding out that Mm. something is a cover or you know hearing how heavily influenced someone was by uh by another artist i mean you know like yeah we we put these people on pedestals so much for being original but their (laughs) originality is not necessarily their talent it's not even a thing to be honest with you i mean originality is such a bizarre concept when Mm -hmm. it comes to think about it and it's very it's a very western one too in all mm. honesty, the idea that you are the sole creator of this one thing and no one else has created it before. Because, you know, music, just like art, again, it's built on itself. It's always cycling. Mm-hmm. And and from when bards would travel on ships and land in a new country and share their rhythm with the next person, even if they didn't speak the same language, like, it's always this, it's this transferable language that we have developed as humans. And it's incredible mm-hmm, in that way. Mm-hmm. And there's obviously very different cultural nuances there and traditions that are passed down and are used that way. And then, then we can get into the argument of stealing and appropriation and such. But in the sake of this, for, for the idea of the music superstar, I think that might be part of the issue where you've had, you know, you, you know, what? into the 1900s, 1950s, right? Onward with rock and roll, you're starting to get these like massive celebrities in music. Yeah. I mean, think about that in terms of art. We have our Mm -hmm. celebrity artists. I don't know if we have them like, you know, they don't go to like major Hollywood events. Maybe like three of them do. They do (laughs) other things, I guess. They have, we have our own events this way. But I'm saying like, you know, when you think about that in Mm -hmm. terms of like how music has become entangled with hollywood and how it's become entangled with these other things like it's these art practices that have gone yeah to this different way and i I guess like a not to be this type of person but it's almost like a self-righteousness or a self-centeredness where it's again that idea of i am the original producer i am the creator of every i'm creator of your childhood it's like benny blanco's like you know Mm. uh, evil personality and and i like when he memes on people because it's kind of true like he did write all these songs that people performed and he could be like you know i wrote Mm -hmm. your childhood soundtrack and he's kind of right he did but Mm. at the same time that should be eye-opening that like hmm and what is what I'm listening to as diverse as I think it is? Is it as right. unique as I think it is? Or is it all coming from one source? That's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think being mm-hmm. a listener, it becomes important to recognize, like, one, what you're interested in, actually. Two, 
where you can find new music to listen to that might be similar to what you are listening as well. Because I think I think for you and I, being artists studying an art school for a very long time, you get a sensibility that you have to look at other artists to really mm-hmm. understand your own practice. It's not in a, it's not borrowing, it's not stealing, it's being influenced, it's being inspired and also mm-hmm. responding to a history that you are now taking part of. You are now pushing this forward. And I think musicians understand that because they have to they're in that dialogue. But mm-hmm. like I think also this is something that you know ties in because I see it on TikTok all the time of people who are their music hobbyists. They like listening to music. They don't play music, but they love mm-hmm. listening to music. This is interesting to me because I always played music for like for a very mm-hmm. long time, except maybe when I was asking my, you know, cousins about songs on the radio and how to find them. I played an instrument of some sort, or I was interested in playing yeah. an instrument. So I always connected music to playing music. So I listened to what I like and what I'm also yeah. wanting to play. You know, if I want to learn how to play Midwest emo, I'm listening to a lot of Midwest emo emo before I could play it when i got into about, yeah no but what about midwest eno where i was gonna say yeah brian, <laughs> brian, brian eno. eno went went to ohio and recorded <laughs> some albums like that is such a good da- oh da- my david, god make david it a bowie had the berlin years brian right eno brian had the, had the ohio <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my god that's midwest, midwest eno. eno that's my new album name that's it midwest <laughs> eno get that on a t-shirt oh my god that's so good zan that's that's so good I, but but you, but do you, you know what i mean first. Like, uh, fair enough but do you I know what i mean influenced. like it's ah see there it is yes but it is like again you know uh, that's why i think it's like in a way just odd when you have to hear like the difference of like the original i guess the original song who made the original song and again i want to be very clear that this does not justify the literal stealing of other people's work or like the appropriation that's happened in the united states what we've you know what just yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's not that's not really the point but more or less like the idea that you can be influenced by hearing a piece of music taking bits of it and then propelling mm-hmm. it into something completely else that's coming out of your own hand just like you could be looking at something while drawing and it comes yeah. through in the drawing, but it's not that same thing. It's completely yeah. different now. Um, there's a, I don't know their name, but there's a TikToker I, I kind of somehow find on my For You page that breaks down samples used, mm-hmm. also breaks down samples used in like the popular trends, which I always find really fascinating. Because the guy with the, is it the guy with the curly he's like bald mustache? Uh, no, oh, okay. not so, him. So, there's okay. a, there's we're, a we're, bunch we're of thinking. people that do this. There's yes. one. He's like bald, and he kind of just looks at the camera really like. Not sternly, but he's kind of serious, and he like points up, and then he smiles and points to the other side. I'll send you them mm. if I find them. But okay, yeah, yeah. He, he basically, he'll do it a lot more for like hip hop because I think that's what they focus in. But um, you know, he's done it a lot for different major musical trends. Which one I think is fascinating because a lot of the major songs, quote unquote, the sound bites that trend on TikTok are yeah. all compilations of different song types. They're all remixes. Mm. Literally, they're all remixes. Of a some remix. Sorts. It is, it is. And one, but like, even for one, he did um, actually, you know, calling back to what I mentioned earlier with Ginseng Strip yeah. 2001 or 2002, don't remember. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that sample is crazy because, you know, the Young Lean's producer used it and put it in the song and that's what they did. But it's a sample within a sample within a sample, which is, it's Inception. Mm-hmm. It's a sampleception or whatever the <laughs> word for it would be. Because, it, like, if you trace it back, it's like a, it's a first of all it's slowed down by four 
tones down because I've done it on my OP1. I've actually slowed down the sample. The original sample's a lot faster. And then that's actually a sped up recording of something that someone compiled together. And the original sound, I think, is believed to be a quick sample from an, a traditional Ainu song, which is from the indigenous people of Japan that now live in yeah. the Hokkaido region. It, like completely out there like again it's like where do you even find these things and how do you even use them but again it's just that because this producer pitched it down by four it creates that iconic sound you hear now and you can do it it's very easy to yeah. find it on youtube and just pitch it down but again it's like you're now building a song from that which was built from something else which is built from something else again not justifying the idea of taking from different cultures but that the mm -hmm. sound when mangled becomes something else and then you use that yeah, in well, a different way. Well, as as an artist, you can have the ear for the the potential of something to be uh re reimagined and yeah. uh you know, uh whatever your medium is, sort of seeing Mm. this thing is like, "Oh, that's an interesting thing. I wonder yeah. if I can apply that to uh something else and you know take it a little further and there's uh you know any of the people that you know are sort of the the founders of any genre you know we we have sort of these sacred cows we have these <laughs> people that are you know these unquestionable uh people that defined a genre um but you know a, they they all were artists and they all had some whether or not it was formal they all had educations in a wide variety of genres that they pulled together into their own yeah, you know yeah. that's it's it's the thing to to consider about anyone that we think of as these um the these pivotal points of mm. oh you know Jimi hendrix is you know uh, you know, no one had heard guitar like that before. Um, and, you know, I I would agree to to that extent. Um, but, you know, Jimi Hendrix had his influences. If you've ever yeah. heard if you've ever heard Buddy Guy play guitar, you're like, oh, that's Makes that's sense, where it came right? from. And, you know, exactly. Buddy Guy is Buddy Guy's still alive <laughs> and kicking. I actually got to see him. Oh, wow. You know, I saw him live. It was totally random. It was a free concert in uh, downtown Clearwater. Like, huh. I came home from high school and someone said there was a concert. My my friend Isaac and I hopped in the car and, you know, went down to see him. Uh, you know, like deep in Scientology territory, but still. <laughs> oh, <fun>. no. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, you know, Buddy Guy is old enough that, you know, he, like, was you know picking cotton as a child you know didn't have Whoa. a guitar plucked a you know was was plucking a button on a string uh and then one day you know it's like and then one day i just went to chicago got myself a guitar and you know the rest is history like he's cool. he's that generation of of, blue, of electric bluesmen um but you know and I mean, obviously, he has his influences. Blues was was traditional sure. uh, music. All, all of all of these people are pulling in things from uh, different directions, and it's their moment of mm. saying, 
here's a new way of of looking at this the yeah. other but but the other weird thing about that too is now especially if you have sort of like a crossover type genre that that you're um pulling from it affects your audience it affects like yeah suddenly you can be bringing people in, into proximity with each other that wouldn't uh <laughs> like I, i'm yeah. i'm thinking i'm thinking of uh one particular uh memory of um i saw natalie merchant uh perform at oh, ruth wow. eckerd hall in clearwater and you know it she was she was playing like in front of a big band like you know Hmm. there's uh you know a a fairly large yeah a, a, like medium-sized orchestra behind okay. her right you know piano there's there's one guitar and it's you know an acoustic guitar and she's you know kind of singing uh a very stripped down sound she's doing a lot more um jazz inspired stuff you know at one point she does sing like a jazzy version of because the night you know because you know mm. she's 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 a little obligated to um but you know and i i have to say the audience for that was um didn't fit mm. what she was trying to do you know there's people that are there that i think want to hear 10,000 maniac songs gotcha um, and even then, Ten Thousand Maniacs was always like, you know, was not like a hard rock band. It was like artsy student music, you know. Like mm. you can picture yourself strolling through uh, an open field listening to Ten Thousand Maniacs. Like you know, there, there's there's upbeat songs, but it's very much. I'm going to read a book by a creek type music. Gotcha. You know? Right. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that, that's a lot of 10,000 maniacs catalog. It's, you know, yeah, it, it's stuff like that. And then Natalie Merchant, you know, she had some, some more rock oriented songs too, when she went solo, but you know, you're in this audience. She's clearly like saying, like, you know, I'm not interested in making top 40 stuff. I want to, you know, do this other type of music that really shows off my vocal range, which sure, yeah. she has an incredible voice, and her voice is mm. still amazing. You know, she sounds exactly the same. So she's in, you know, trying to perform with, you know, cellos and violins behind her. And people want to clap, like uh, on the beat, and uh, they're off tempo. They're uh, off. They're, no. they're off the beat, and she, you know she's kind of teasing the audience, and she's like, "Ha ha!" You know this. Uh, not you know. So this just isn't like quite the show to do that unless you have perfect timing, and like you know people are even like trying to sing along with her, <laughs> and at one point she's like. I'm sorry, it's it's E flat. You guys are not uh you guys, it, <laughs> way it, off. I'm sorry. Yeah, well she said she's she was she tried to play it off funny. She's like, it's E flat, it's a diva key. You know? Oh, uh, there you go. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it was just kind of awkward. There's all these people that like were expecting a rock uh... show, and it's like, that's not what she's trying to do here. And that's this isn't you know, the I'm place. not saying that yeah. you can't have a reaction, but like to to talk to music and art but like i think sometimes audiences 
in in the expectations that we build up for these people can kind of get disrespectful and oh yeah absolutely you, you don't you don't want to sound like you're gatekeeping somebody mm. <laughs> i don't oh, think yeah. it's always a bad thing i'm sorry i'm, yeah. I'm getting <laughs> listen like because okay this sounds a lot like like did you i mean i didn't see this concert i don't even think it was near me but like i would it'd be great to see either clario or mitski in concert but did you hear about that like what happened at their recent yes shows? i've been, and see, it's I've been very, seeing the clips and very stuff, bizarre yeah. that it's two and they're not they're they're kind of different art wise you know like i mean mm -hmm. music wise you know they're they're not entirely the same but it's interesting that they both both got really bad crowds i mean i feel so bad for the for for claria specifically at her mm -hmm, concert because mm -hmm. you know i mean i don't know if you know her music or if anybody's not familiar but you know she's very like it's a very quiet music it's very you know intimate it's not loud yeah. and maybe she has like one popular song in a sense of like it blew up yeah. on tiktok but like she is very popular regardless I and mean, people respect her as an artist yeah. And like she's playing this like very intimate concert and then you're just watching people scream at her while she's on stage yeah. and like just be rude and her, mm -hmm. you know, asking them to please be quiet or like, hey, you know, don't yeah. yell at me. Cause that's, you know, and you hear a lot of performers who've gone through that. Like even Bo Burnham was saying that a bunch that like, and people would just yeah. go on the stage with him and like improv and he would like have to get security. And, you know, you're playing it off because yeah. it's a show, but it's like, Jesus, you know, it's terrifying. You have to fear for your life because, you know, mm -hmm. like that's happened. That happened to the um, to a musician that's from my town, you know, Christina Grimmie, who's really famous yeah. uh, from my town. You know, yeah. like that's it's scary, man, like what people mm -hmm. do. But it's just like, you know, uh, how do yeah, you? Yeah, my uh, my um, I don't know if I knew that she was from your town, but my my ex-girlfriend was a was a fan. Oh wow! Uh, you know, I I technically met her, uh, and I had no idea who she was until someone told me like a couple <laughs> days later, and then I found out later that like yeah, she's like a famous YouTuber slash like I don't know, I think she was she she was from this other th I I don't remember why specifically she was famous, but I know she was, and it was just this weird realization like mm -hmm. oh that's kind of crazy, and then you know finding out the news couple i guess that would like a year or two later but yeah no that was so sad oh no it was awful it was really like shocking honestly yeah um and definitely the town here was in mourning for sure but like it, it's just god it's awful what happens with people mm -hmm, in the situations mm -hmm. but i mean you know it's selena yeah exactly it's it's just this People feel like they have this weird, um, on the one hand, there, there's these people that feel like they have this ownership yeah. of these people, but they, they, they use that as like this thing of like, you know, you're there, you know, uh, uh, it's, um, that you're, you're yeah. there and, and, and it's true, you know, they are there for you. They are there because they have fans and, you know, really right. they're. It, that that's what makes it all possible um it uh it gets into a very bizarre mentality with that you know and yeah the, the more recent things as people start to go to concerts again and we start to you know um you know see this stuff that you know i think on one hand is exacerbated by social media but also yeah. you know we're probably also like kind of becoming more aware of it because of social media yeah, it's we're a paradox. Watching the, yeah, we're watching these these uh, things of these um, artists that uh, aren't quite comfortable with how people are reacting to their to their music and not really setting the tone. I think of 
you know, I, you know, audiences have always been crazy. And, uh, you know, since we've had like, you know, pop stars like this, you know, Sinatra Mm. was probably the first uh, in the modern age, you know, then the Beatles. But, you know, uh, what's what's the the Hungarian guy Litz, like where we get the, the phrase listomania? you know oh i don't even um, know that hans hans list franz hans list mm, but he, God, he was yeah. he was supposed to be like an incredible classical uh pianist that just absolutely drove audiences insane oh wow um but you have to imagine in a time before amplification like you know you'd have to listen you know and this, yeah this is the the famous problem of the early days of uh the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, they they couldn't hear themselves play because the audiences mm. were screaming so loud. The Rolling Stones, um, like just started playing joke songs. They started playing Popeye the Sailor Man on stage because they wanted to see if the audience would react differently, and they wouldn't. They, you know, um, wow. And it's like, but then you like watch that footage of like those kids like gather round like sitting cross legged in a circle around um, Led Zeppelin, you know? Yeah. Like, have you ever seen that that footage? Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, they're like just in silence, in awe, watching, you know, uh, dazed mm. and confused, and like, it's that silent moment uh, in the live performance where they like let this. Uh, this moment happen, you know? Mm. And as much as I love Bruce Springsteen, he doesn't really get to have that anymore. You know, I can listen to, you know, his, uh, I love him live. You know, it's, it's a, him and the E Street Band are incredible live. Mm. Um, but, you know, I don't really want to listen to modern recordings even with how much recording technology has improved i don't want to listen to modern concerts because you know he's like singing songs that are very um you know that need a need a moment and people want to clap and sing along and and it's like too much hey like let's let's have a moment i mean there's there's um there's a during the first reunion with the with the E Street Band when he came back in like 2001, he's singing uh, 41 Shots, which is about a, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, it's a story of police brutality in New York City. You know, this guy like takes out his wallet and the, you know, police shoot him 41 times, mm. uh, you know, and uh, it's it's called American Skin, 41 Shots. And you know they're playing it and bruce is like just hey we need some quiet and just listening to the audience shut up for a second Mm. and like you just hear the clapping die out and you're like whoa that's power man there there was a moment where you know you could ask that of an audience you could ask you could have that kind of power right Um, and that's that's we're we're going we're going to see you know maybe people will sort of relearn how to behave because you know i know this is also like Mm -hmm. young people that came of age in the time of covid maybe don't know but you know there's Mm -hmm. there's plenty of older people that should know better yeah and we're, we're going to have to figure these things out again especially as we deal with celebrity in a uh in a social media oh yeah I don't know, man. I think it depends, honestly, because like, mm-hmm. like I think I think 
this is going to sound awful, but like mm. people that know those musicians as as a person, you know, we're talking about people who are like, like let's say like mm-hmm. with Mitski, right? Has their own fan yeah. base. That's you're really into Mitski's music. I mean, I, I like Mitski's music as well. You kind of mm-hmm. know, you get the vibe of like how this is going to go because you know it's like I went to a Neutral Milk Hotel concert, like right. the last tour that they did, and I, I got lucky I got those tickets, and it was amazing. Yeah, it was yeah. an incredible experience. No one stood up because it was not a like my like my one friend went with us and mm-hmm. she really wanted to like you know she wanted that hyper concert energy. I did not. I'm not into that. Mm-hmm. It was not that kind of a concert. It was really low ba- laid back. You just listened. Yeah. The front row went nuts. You know the the people that were able to stand and were you know yeah going crazy. But I'm like, how do you do that? You can only do that to like three of their songs. You know, if Holland 1945 plays, yeah, of course I want to dance. But like, oh yeah, yeah. When I'm listening to like Oh Comely, you know, I just kind of want to mm-hmm. take it in and listen to Jeff Magnum's lyrics. Like, yeah. I really don't want. You don't want like that hyper intense like if i heard people yelling during that i would be furious you know i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. one dude was just like high the whole time and in his own world and i mean it looked amazing you know just the mm-hmm. vibe mm-hmm. that was set but still like it, it was like you you know you were just there and present and it was this great feeling yeah. i'm not saying every concert has to be this way but i think if you don't if you lack self-awareness of like where you're at, <laughs> that's part of it because people just don't always respect boundaries of others. But no. like, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. Maybe it is a newer thing. Maybe this has happened. It's kind of my my reason why I don't really like big venues because I don't, I'm not really interested. Oh yeah, no, in... I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm over yeah. stadium rock shows. I, I... And, mm-hmm. and I, I like classic rock and stuff. And I mean, I'm yeah. glad I got to see the people I got to see. I'm grateful. For I sure. saw Elton John. You know, and I got to see him in a, you know, medium sized venue, at least. OK, that's cool. And and, and he, he puts on a good show and everything. But I mm. it's it's hard to get that. It's hard to get that intimate feeling. And it's hard. Yeah. It's like you're saying, like to, to let it soak in when you're just in a little bit too big of a crowd um yeah, you know and too sometimes much. It if, if, if it really is a special enough performer maybe they can bring that out but it is it's hard it is hard mm. um you know especially like and we've talked about this before like you know the era of uh more musicians that we're in now with more musicians with smaller but more widespread <laughs> audiences. Yeah, it's true. And those yeah. widespread audiences are extremely passionate. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, and maybe you do get extremely hyped to be in the same room <laughs> with a bunch of people who who know Mitski or Phoebe Bridgers or, you know, a- any of these guys. It's um uh you know, I, I I can understand the excitement of that, but it's uh uh it's still like the there you're supposed to be getting something out of yeah it's yeah, you're supposed exactly. to be getting something out of a concert. It's a performance, you know. Yeah, and we don't want to scare these people away from doing performances anymore because I right. can also see that happening because it's yeah it's a it's a difficult enough business model. We don't need to scare away the good artists. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's Yeah, cuz otherwise what? We're left with Machine Gun Kelly? I'm good. I'm I'm not going to no, right? Like that sounds awful. Imagine if Machine Gun Kelly was the only artist left. 
would you go uh, would you go to that concert that's tough like like uh, i I mean there's a clear answer i know i know it's cliche (laughs) to to rip on them but like you know imagine you know all you've got would be like a um like a nickelback concert like what if what if chad kroger's the only one left i'm Um, not going (laughs) i'm like i'm making my own music now oh man oh you're no i'm kidding that's are you telling are you telling me you're done with standing in line (laughs) i am Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. yeah. This is mm-hmm. this is very interesting. I feel like we covered a lot more in depth than I think we planned to when it came to questioning this. But I, I really think this all ties back again to like, you know, how we discover music, how we will discover music in the future as well. How this oh, continues yeah. to ve- to develop, and will it be through word of mouth? Will it be through TikTok? Will it be through whatever mm-hmm. app or you know, even just like passing by and hearing street performers. I don't know, man. It's pretty, mm-hmm, it's pretty mm-hmm. crazy to think about, but all in all, I think this is, it's, it's kind of an exciting time we live in where we can yeah. find music just by, I mean, you know, literally just by flipping through our phones on an app and all of a sudden you find this new band right. and it's like kind of, ch- it changes your whole morning or evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I imagine like there was, even in the past, you know, there would be occasionally movies that would kind of reawaken yeah. an interest in a genre. I think, I think the the it it might have happened either way, but the um, like the the renewed interest in blues music in the eighties, mm. I think, has largely been attributed to like you know the Blues Brothers movie. Ah, oh, interesting. That you makes know, sense. And and that uh, that. You know, there were there were a few movies like that. There there was Crossroads with um Karate Kid. Uh, what's his yeah. name? Uh, Ralph. Uh, Ralph Macchio. <laughs> Ralph Macchio. Yes, from My Cousin Vinny. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> who's who's arrested for being Italian? A true crime. For shame. For yeah. shame. Mm, um, yes. Uh, yeah, there there's. There's always going to be these uh, these waves of interest, but you're right. It, it'll be interesting to see how it goes forward, how people discover all these things. I think there's yeah. so many artists that are so big right now. And, you know, I so rarely listen to the radio outside of work. It's um, oh, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> I feel inc- that it, it's it's kind of incredible that there's these very <laughs> famous people that I just hear in passing uh you know on an app on my phone for you know 10 seconds and then yeah next thing i know i'm like oh these people are like on the radio all the time yeah it's pretty wild yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. no it'll be uh it'll, it'll be an adventure as always going forward um you know just like it's an adventure here every day at the uncanny county museum mm, indeed yes indeed. Do you have uh, anything going on outside the museum? Any outside adventures? Um, not too much happening. Waiting on some news at the moment. I am on this in this online exhibition called uh, Home, which is on hmm. art art9.org or artdim9.org. So you can check out my video when light takes form on Ooh, there. Yeah, uh, it was Good an stuff. impulse intro so i'm really excited about it thank you thank you mm-hmm. how about you yes. Zan? what do you got going on 
Um, I am getting ready for the show, uh, Forever in 10 Days. Uh, I believe we're going to have an opening reception, um, May 19th, I believe has been moved to, but that will be at the, uh, Medford Gallery, um, on the Tufts campus, um, in Boston. Uh, and I'm pretty excited about that i'm gonna actually get to see the space tomorrow and you know start Ooh, plotting nice. the uh the exhibition yeah let's see my website's up and running i've got some original artwork up on there you can check that out at zanpeters.com uh and um yeah i think uh that's all i can definitively say at the moment uh, applied for a bunch of stuff we'll see if anyone gets back to me <laughs> nice um, nice and yeah, if you want to uh, follow the museum after hours, we are at Uncanny Museum on Twitter and at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. If you want to leave us a rating and review uh, wherever you're getting your podcasts, we really appreciate it. Yes, um, yes. If you've got any comments or suggestions, feel free to reach out to us uh, on any of those platforms. Uh, yeah, we love hearing from people. We love uh, getting corrected. Um, if you want to find me, I'm at Xanasaurus on Instagram. And I'm at Josemino Art on Instagram. And from the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Zan Peters. And I've been Josemino. Is there anybody alive out there? <laughs> Bye.